Well, I'm sorry not to be with you physically, and I hope to meet you in person very soon. My wife, Claire, she was part of the lunchtime service at All Souls when she worked in the area, and it was such an important support to her. I can't see your faces, but I'm imagining nods at that from people here who value that support. Uh, None of us know really what the workplace will look like over the next few years, but we do know that we will go on needing others who understand the challenges we face. And the, the lunchtime services for Claire were a place to hear God's word, a place to bring colleagues to explore the message of Jesus and to find people to share and pray with. So I'm sorry not to be with you in person, but I am very glad to be with you at the start of this new series in the stories that Jesus told. And I hope that Ali has issued all the necessary health warnings, because stories Jesus told, that sounds like this is going to be a lovely, nice sort of cotton wool lunch break. But Jesus is much more than that. These are stories that will open your eyes to why Jesus electrified crowds in his lifetime, but also will help you see why they crucified him in the end. And they are stories to call us to a way of living that is radically different to those around us in all of our work meetings. Today, we're starting with the wise and foolish builders, which to some on this call may be well-known and familiar, perhaps even comfortable. So here's the the story. There were two men, each building a house, and one makes a good decision, and the other makes a foolish decision. And then comes the flood, and one is swept away, and the other stands firm. It, It makes such a good visual story. And if you grew up in Christian circles, then I wonder if I've lost you already, because you're back in your childhood with the coloring books and the songs, with the actions, and now probably I really have lost you. Come back. Come back, please. I've seen versions of this great story acted out all over the world. Most recently, someone showed me a video made in Bangladesh where two neighbors, they are building an outside latrine. Uh, And I'm not quite sure this is suitable for a workplace lunchtime in W1, but let me just say that the punchline, the river arrives as the foolish man is using his building. Uh, It's a dramatic, high-impact story from Jesus. And the generally well-understood lesson is that this is all about foundations. What are you building your life upon? There's a question for the the hard-pressed worker at lunchtime in bank holiday week. Is your life built on the teaching of Jesus uh, or maybe on the teaching of your boss? Claire uh, worked for Reed Employment on Baker Street, and there was one crucial moment when her boss took her aside and tried to get her to be more ruthless. Uh, Or you'll never be a Reed woman, she said, meaning sales and BD and pushiness and all the cutthroat practices that go with the recruitment trade. And that is the normal, helpful, well-understood lesson of this story. Stop building your life on what your boss wants or what your mum wants and make Jesus your foundation instead. And the, the carrot, if you like, the incentive is that this is how to weatherproof your life for the storms and the crises that come round every now and then. There's, um, there's just one problem with that lesson. It's not actually what Jesus says either here in Luke or in the version in Matthew. So I'm going to need you to open a Bible, ideally a physical one, if you have one near you, where it'll be easier to scan the page. 
And I need you to turn to Luke chapter 6 and verse 46. Luke chapter 6 and verse 46. And while you turn it up, let me say that it is an interesting year in which to open this story. Because we have now had the crisis. The the children's storybook way of reading this parable was all about being better prepared for financial crisis or sickness or family crisis. And we've now had COVID, the once in a hundred years crisis. And I wonder whether you feel the story was missold to you by your children's Bible. Well, I've got three headings and we're going to start with what is the real distinction between the two men in the story. So point one, the real distinction The real difference between the two builders isn't that one has a good foundation and the other has a bad foundation. Let me read verse 48 again. Uh, They are like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. In the original, actually, there's three verbs, not two. He dug and he went deep and he laid a foundation Contrast that with the other guy in verse 49. uh, Like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. And outside of the story, Jesus tells us in words of one syllable what that difference in the story means in real life. So verse 46, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Uh, Or verse 47, we are talking about uh, the good builder, everyone who comes, hears, and does. Uh, Our English translation has made it put into practice, but Jesus is much more stark in the original. Comes, hears, and does. In contrast to verse 49, someone who hears and does not. Do or do not. That's the real distinction. Both groups come to Jesus. Both groups come to hear Jesus. So in the way this parable is normally told, actually, both of them have the same foundation. And uh, Tracy, the, the killer sales rep from Reed Employment, she's not in this parable at all. The issue isn't whether Claire will listen to Jesus or listen to Tracy, her boss. The issue is about obedience to Jesus. The issue is about action. If you hear, will you do? And the effort of laying a foundation is a perfect illustration for the hard work and the cost of this. Um, I had to lay a foundation recently, not for anything very serious or dramatic. Uh, All I wanted was for four sticks to stick up out of the ground so that I could use them while I was camping for a, a small covered area. And I could have spent five minutes and stuck four sticks in the ground and left them there. But instead, I bought concrete and brought it in by water. I bought gravel, and I bought a a tool like a drill that you use in the soil. It's kind of this big. Uh, And then I started drilling, which you do with two hands like this. And the, the first two feet down was mud, and that was fine. But the next six feet was clay. And we were heaving and we were pushing and every inch we made, we had to get the thing out and declag it and start again. Hard work. Do or do not. 
Everyone knows you need good foundations for a good building. Everyone knows it is back-breaking effort and action. And these verses, they come at the end of Jesus' first sustained sermon in Luke's Gospel. For the, the very first time, he has laid out what following him actually looks like. And then he finishes it with our story. To say it's no good just listening Everything I've said, he's saying, it's only valuable if you put it into practice, if you do. And he's not saying that in a vacuum. This parable, this story, it's about two real groups of people. And both groups are there as Jesus is speaking. That they, you know, you can imagine them sat out there listening to him. And Jesus is saying that one of those groups is his family and the other isn't. That's my second heading. Uh, the real family. And I wish we had time to go through his sermon, but we don't. You can read it yourself. But just the topics that he covers, I think, will open your eyes as to why this sermon has shaped global society ever since Jesus delivered it. So uh, look down in verse 27. It starts with love for enemies. Uh, in fact, this sermon of Jesus, it's about everything that has always been hard and everything that lockdown frustration has made even harder during COVID. Love for enemies, turn the other cheek when someone hurts you, and love and give to the people who hate you, who are your enemies. And then verse 37 bounces it on slightly to forgiveness. Don't judge, don't condemn, instead forgive. And in particular, don't be a hypocrite and criticise the speck in someone else's eye when you have a whole house beam in yours. That's the, the kind of teaching that Jesus means when he says, don't just hear, you need to do. It, it is the things that everyone, anyone you meet knows we need those things the most. Everyone wants to be forgiven. Everyone wants to be given a second chance. Everyone hates being judged. Every workplace has enemies. Every workplace has hypocrites. It's what we want most, and it's what we find hardest to do. And in the the full sermon, Jesus develops a family illustration, a a DNA-based illustration. You can see that negatively in verses 43 to 45, which are the verses just before our, our verses. It says, the fruit you get from a plant is directly related to the DNA of the plant you grow. Good plant, good fruit. Evil plant, evil fruit. And again, the um, the place where I dug those foundations I told you about, that is the place where I took my family on our COVID summer holiday last year. We went to go camping, which I enjoy and which Claire hates. Though in, in my defence, this year she said, look, given COVID, let's do it. Let's go camping. That's what she said. Uh, and maybe it would have been okay, except that the entire place was covered in one of the most poisonous plants that grows in England. It was covered in hemlock. Uh, Hemlock is a neurotoxin, and even cutting the plant without gloves and and eye goggles on is dangerous. And if any of it gets in your mouth, well, then you move through pain to paralysis to coma to death. So uh, this summer, we took steps to teach our children how to identify different types of plant you could imagine. And the DNA that produces love for enemies, Jesus is saying, and forgiveness, that is the DNA of God the Father. 
of that family. Verse 35, you will be children of the Most High. And verse 36, be merciful just as your Father is merciful. That's what Christians are called to be in every area of their lives. I don't know you yet, so I don't know quite what workplace you're heading back into straight after this. But wherever it is, live out the character, the DNA of the God who made you his daughter and his son when you believed in Jesus, if you have. And sometimes our parable, the builder's parable, it has been used sort of against the children of God, uh, against people who come to a lunchtime talk, uh, trying to show mercy, wanting to forgive enemies, but finding it very hard. Uh, as if, you know, every time we don't manage this 100%, we become the evil tree, the, the poisonous plant. But Jesus, he's not speaking that day to two different types of committed disciples. Uh, he's not trying to, to beat up the sensitive of conscience who are finding it hard to love their boss just this week. Um, in his audience, he has committed disciples, and he also has the Pharisees. And in Luke, in chapter 4, 5, and 6, we've met them, met a group with their own DNA and their own family likeness. And they are already openly hostile to Jesus. They hate him, and they're already planning what to do to get rid of him. And their defining characteristic, well, it's judgmentalism, hypocrisy. It's to love only their friends who can pay them back. It's condemnation and it's no mercy. So this isn't um, to make you feel upset and uncomfortable if you're a keen Christian who wants to live for Jesus, but you're not sure you're doing that 100% of the time. This group that he means, they hear Jesus They might even mouth Lord, Lord, but they have no intention of doing any of the things he talks about. In terms of the parable, they have no intention of digging. The, The hard work of changing their whole way of operating in obedience to Jesus' teaching, they're not going to do that. They're not going to become mercy people, love for enemy people. Okay, so this isn't about which foundation you choose. It's about do or do not. That was point one. And it's not about beating up Christians who want to do and try to do, but feel afraid they haven't done enough. Uh, It's about what family you're in, point two. But how about the crisis preparation bit? Uh, I wonder if that is right. Well, just think of the things we've talked about. Forgive, turn the other cheek, love those who won't pay you back, and What kind of crisis is it that those things help you with? Uh, This is where I mean you might feel you've been missold this parable. Because you could even say that under COVID or job insecurity, those behaviours actually make it worse. You're more likely to be trampled on at work, more likely to use your job. So third point, what is the real crisis And I want to finish by suggesting that Jesus doesn't mean a once in 10 years economic downturn. He doesn't even mean a a once in 100 years pandemic. He means the crisis of where we will be in eternity. Um, You can see in the story that he has something pretty big in mind. This isn't just the the river um, making your, your basement damp every couple of years. 
This is the flood, the torrent, which struck that house, which collapsed, and its destruction was complete. And that fits the the rest of his sermon. So come back to verses 20 to 26. Famous lists of blessed ways to live and woeful ways to live. Uh, Look at verse 24. Woe to you who are rich, for you have already received your comfort. Woe to you who are well fed now, for you will go hungry. Do you see there's a, a timeline on that crisis? Rich now. Comforted already, well-fed now. But those people, those are the people who do best in COVID crisis, aren't they? Jesus' disaster advice here just seems rubbish. Verse 20, blessed are the poor and the hungry and the hated. That's not very practical in the kind of crisis that comes around every five years or so in our lives. That's because Jesus has in mind a far bigger crisis. Verse 20, poor now? Well, yours is the kingdom of heaven. Verse 21, hungry now? You will be satisfied. Verse 22, hated now because of Jesus? Well, rejoice in that day because great is your reward in heaven. And verse 26 is the big giveaway. Woe to you when everyone speaks well of you, for that is how their ancestors treated the false prophets. False prophets who got rich and died in their beds in comfort. Just like the Pharisees, they are fully on course to achieve that life goal. Whereas the true prophets were hated and got killed for it. But when the real flood comes, that's what our story is saying. The real crisis of God's final verdict on your life. When that comes, that day we will see who made the right decisions Monday after Monday at work. Uh, trusting Jesus that the, the turn the other cheek way is the right way, even when you don't get promotions from it, even when it makes your job less secure. Trusting Jesus that being hated and excluded for him is the right way, even when it feels so bad. There will be a day when it will feel as good as the hard work of foundation building feels on the day when the flood comes and knocks over your neighbor's house. So I I hope what we've seen this lunchtime will encourage you. I hope it will send you back to work thinking that the work of living for Jesus, obeying him, that is hard, that is what will prepare you for the day when you see him. It is the right way to live. Not beaten up uh, as if you could do a, a percentage more and suddenly Jesus would be pleased with you, but to be like him, to be his family in all the settings where Jesus has put us. I'm going to pray and ask for his help. So our Father, we thank you for the Lord Jesus, our teacher, and the one who we follow and live in his way, his pattern, as we try to live like you. And we ask, our Father, you would help all of us day by day in our workplaces, in our lives, to not just hear him, but to do what he says, knowing that this is the life that fits us for the day when we see you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.